Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, good morning, everybody. What a great day to be here at Grace Crossing Church for the launch of our brand new series. It's a really a, a short mini-series that we're doing around Imagine. We're just simply calling Reimagine. So I'm, I'm curious as we jump into this, how many of you were here back in the fall when we introduced and launched Imagine here at Grace Crossing Church? Can I see by a show of hands? All right, well, good. Welcome back. And we also want to welcome those who didn't raise their hand because we know that that means you've begun attending Grace Crossing Church sometime between fall and now. And we're really thankful that you're here to be a part of what God is doing. You are coming to this church, I can tell you this, you are coming to this church at a very exciting and special time in the history of our church. We are beginning to do and experience something so special that many churches never have the opportunity to experience like we are right now. And so I want to frame our series um, on Reimagine with a scripture verse that we have used uh, from the beginning of this journey together. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 20. Here it is. God can do anything. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working in us his spirit, deeply and gently within us. When I look back on the beginning days of Grace Crossing Church, all the way back in January of 2006, on the campus of Wright State University, I could have never dreamed and never imagined all that God had in store for our journey ahead. I'm just curious, how many of you were there in that auditorium On January 8th of 2006, can I see your hands? This will be a smaller number. Yeah, I mean, take a look. I mean, at that days, we wondered what was in store for our future. We really had no idea about what God was going to do, what God was up to, about the big grand idea for Grace Crossing Church that God had in mind. All we knew is that we were being faithful to him. We were being obedient to him. We knew that God was giving us humble, small beginnings, but we were going to steward them in his grace, and we were going to trust him along the way. And as I look back, this verse really has, I think, summarized our journey as a church. Because God has done more than I could ever dream, I could ever imagine, I could ever hope for. In my wildest dreams, God did so much more and is continuing to do so much more. And that really is the catalyst for our series together. Now, I, I want to say uh, this morning as we begin, I want to do a, I want to familiarize all of us uh, with Imagine. So this is a good refresher for those that have been here uh, all the way back in the fall of the year. It's also going to be helpful for those uh, that may be joining us and may be new for the very first time or you've been attending the last number of months here at Grace Crossing Church. So you have a handout today that has uh, plenty of good information in it. We'll just let you uh, peruse that at a later time. But, but let me just say this. The, the first thing that I want to say about Imagine is the most important thing that I'm going to say. So please don't miss this. 
Imagine is not a fundraising campaign. Far from it. Imagine is a faith-building initiative. From the very beginning, what we believed God was calling us to was to increase our faith and our trust in God. And that became really the catalyst for what we believe God was inviting us into. It was not about financing. It was not about fundraising. In fact, if you've been attending church for any length of time, you know that that is something we just don't do here at Grace Crossing Church. Uh, We simply don't make that our lead foot. We actually talk about it very little here. So I want you to know that this is not about a fundraising initiative. This is about a faith-building initiative. And so when we began this journey, what God laid on our heart out of that Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 passage was that there were three main priorities that we felt God inviting us to, to trust him in. And they were bolder and bigger and brighter. So bolder, we imagine enlarging our generosity in response to God's radical generosity toward us. We can never return to God all that he's given and all that he's provided. And yet God invites us to join him in generosity. And that bolder initiative, that bolder priority is the first and most important priority that we've laid out is just a response to God. It's a response of gratitude to God. Bigger, we are believing and trusting God. We are imagining for an expansion of both our ministry fingerprint and our facility footprint as the Lord would enable us. And so that included both uh, onboarding uh, full-time children and youth pastor director uh, with the ambition of not only resourcing our families here but also having a greater reach into our community, which is growing. And trusting the Lord in that, that God, in his time, is going to expand the footprint of Grace Crossing Church, not only to be able to better accomplish the ministry priorities of our family ministry, but also have adequate space in which to grow, and we anticipate that's coming. And then the brighter. We are imagining together that God is going to help us engage every single person at Grace Crossing Church in helping us together to leave a legacy for future generations. And so we're believing, in fact, it is our primary objective of Imagine. Our primary goal is 100% participation. So we're going to come back to that one here in just a few minutes because that is the lead foot for us in Imagine. Let me just say this. Imagine is given to us by God to steward, but imagine is something that we are trusting God to supply. We are stewarding what God is providing. And so we laid a goal out that was a, I would call a big, audacious goal that was so much bigger than what we could ever dream or ever imagine, and yet we felt God say, go for it. And that goal was to be able to gather in our generosity to trust God and increase our faith, and to be able together to give $3.2 million over the next two years so that we can accomplish the ministry priorities God has given us. Now, we announced back in the fall at the end of our, of our fall uh, initiative that, that we, in our first goal, 
And the first goal that we announced was 2.6 million. Now, I say first because we knew it wasn't our final. We knew it was the very first goal that we had hit in our Imagine initiative. And, and so we are trusting the Lord in this refresh that God is going to speak to all of our hearts and give all of us an opportunity to do one of three things, to affirm what God has given to us by way of commitment, uh, to perhaps increase as the Lord would so direct us, uh, or to, to actually give a new commitment as the Lord would lead us to do. And let me just say right at the beginning that I want to thank every single one of you here at Grace Crossing Church that do not just believe in the mission and the ministry of our church, but you've bought into it. You are fully on board with it. You are behind what God is doing. And because of you, we are accomplishing the mission and the vision that God has given to us. Now, for the first week of Imagine, in this Reimagine series, I want to frame our thoughts by borrowing a principle that actually is given to us by author Stephen Covey in a timeless book that he wrote entitled Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's actually his second habit. His second habit is begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. I don't think that's just a habit of highly effective people. I think it's a habit of highly effective churches. I think highly effective churches start with the end in mind. And let me tell you what the end in mind is for Grace Crossing Church. We see an emotionally healthy church filled with fully surrendered Christ followers whose hearts are set ablaze to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. That is not our vision. That's God's vision for us. And God is asking us to steward that. And let me just say, that is the end game. That is what the end in mind is for us. And as we come into imagine, here's what we believe would be our primary objective and our primary goal, which actually facilitates our vision. We were going to trust God for 100% participation in the Imagine Initiative. In other words, we were going to trust that every single person would engage their faith. Every single person would stretch their trust muscle. Every single person that calls Grace Crossing Church their church would be all in. And I want you to hear this this morning. Because all in is the primary goal, the number one goal of imagine is that we are all in. We are trusting God that every person that receives from this spiritual community will actually in turn invest in this spiritual community, their time, their talents, their treasures, and believing that we would hit that goal of 100% participation. Now, I know what you're thinking this morning. I know exactly what you're thinking. It is pie in the sky to believe that you're ever going to get 100% of anything in today's culture. I get it. I get it. We, we don't even think that it's even possible that we could have every single person at Grace Crossing Church be so radically fully surrendered 
that they would actually go, I'm all in. But God can do anything. That's what Ephesians 3.20 tells us. God can do anything you know beyond your wildest dreams. Well, I'm dreaming it. I'm believing for it. I'm trusting God for it. And let me just say this. I think for you to ask yourself that question this morning would be a great way to start this talk. Does the term all in characterize your relationship with God? Does it? Does it characterize your relationship with Grace Crossing Church? Let, Let me just be more pointed today. Are you all in? Now, if you take a look at the early church, what you receive in the early church is a portrait of what it looked like when a church had 100% participation. Now, the early church was not about we're going to just tip our toes in. We're going to just be a part of what's in it for us. No, the early church was characterized by an all-in mentality. And actually, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture that for some of you here is going to be very, very familiar. For others of you, it may not be. But, but when I read the Scripture, there are going to be four words in the text that are capitalized. And I'm going to read the text, but when I hit those four words that are capitalized, I'm going to ask every single one of you to say the words with me. Will you do that this morning? Okay, this is an all-in exercise right now. Okay, everybody's going to be part, because we're going to actually say these words. I want them to get etched in your heart this morning. This is a snapshot of the early church. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Are you ready? Here we go. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you know why that last statement happened? Do do you know why the Lord was adding to their number daily? It's because they were all in. They, they, they had 100% involvement and participation enthusiastically in what God was doing in the kingdom. Let me just say, all in is really summarized by those four words. Everyone, everything, every day. Everyone. Everything, every day. So, so let's unpack those this morning. All in involves every one. All in involves every one. So sometimes when you come to scriptures like this one and you read it, what's not said in the text is actually the most significant thing. And actually, in this text, 
there is something that is never said that I want you to see because it's pretty profound. Not one name is ever mentioned in this text. Did you notice that? Not one of the 12 apostles is named. Not one of the early church leaders is named. Not one of the members in the church is named. Not one of the band members is named. Not a connection group leader is named. Not a board member is named. Sorry, Ash. Not a board member is called out by name. And I think that's the point. Because the only name that we ever see mentioned, the only one that's ever named is every one. It's everyone. The early church understood that it was not about the one, it was about every one. That's what characterized the early church. It wasn't about one person, it wasn't about one ministry, it wasn't about one personality, it was about everyone. And the early church understood this, and yet even in the early church, Paul the apostle had to contend for this idea. In the, in, in the church in Corinth, their hearts started to move toward different personalities. They started to get their hearts tethered to certain personalities. The one became more significant than everyone. And Paul writes to the church in 1 Corinthians 3, and, and here's what Paul says. Is Apollos important? No. Is Paul important? No. No, we are only servants of God who helped you believe. Each one of us did the work God gave us to do. I planted the seed, but Apollos watered it, but God is the one who made it grow. I'm going to just pause there for a moment. This past fall, I had a birthday, and Kelly was wanting to get me a present, and so one of the things I've been wanting in my yard was I've been wanting a maple tree. I, I love when trees change color. And I just had one spot in my yard that I could look out when I was eating at the table that I thought if I could just have a beautiful maple tree there. So, so she bought me the tree. And it didn't get planted until December. And, uh, and that's pretty normal. And so this fall, it was just beautiful. I mean, it was, it was green, it was lush. The, the waters and the rains all the way into the summer were beautiful. And I, end of July, started to notice that my leaves were changing color, and I was so excited. I thought, wow, look how pretty, look how vibrant those colors are, those reds and those oranges. And then it dawned on me, it's not even August, and it's changing color already, right? And, and what I began to realize is I had a tree that was, that was just glaring in neon light. It was saying, help me, I'm in trouble. It was saying, I am filled with stress right now, and if you don't do something to deal with me, you're going to get all of the beautiful leaves you want much earlier than you desire. And so I have been watering that tree and watering that tree and getting warnings from the city saying, your water bill is much higher, your usage is much higher than normal. But here's the deal. I didn't create that tree. I didn't make that tree. In fact, I didn't put in that tree the ability to do what it's doing, grow. God did. 
But if I fail to do my part, if I fail to cooperate with God's process, the tree will never reach its maximum potential. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, I planted, someone else watered, but don't forget, God is the one who made it grow. So then he says this, so the one who plants is not important, the one who waters is not important, only God who makes things grow is important. The one who plants, the one who waters have the same purpose, and each will be rewarded for his own work. And I love this final statement. We are God's workers working together. That, I believe, summarizes imagine. We are God's workers working together. And not one of us has a role and plays a part that's more important than another. In fact, hear what I'm about to say. What characterized and distinguished the early church was that in the early church, everyone's contribution mattered to the whole, no matter its size. Everyone played a role, and their role mattered. Their contribution mattered. And so not all of us hear water. Some of us are responsible to plant. Others of us are responsible to water. Some of you are responsible to garden. Some of you are called to actually weed. But listen, not one of us at Grace Crossing Church can take credit for our health and our growth. That is God's. God gets full 100% credit for whatever kind of growth that we see at Grace Crossing Church. This is not about us. It is not about the one. It is about everyone who are working together with God. And here's the deal. If we don't do our part, if we don't do our part, we will never reach our maximum potential. So I don't know if you've ever heard the uh, parable of responsibility. But in case you haven't, I want to share it with you today. Because although it didn't make it into the pages of God's word, I think the early church would have resonated with this particular parable called the parable of responsibility. Here it is. This is a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Do you get it? Listen, here's the deal. That's not just a great little story that didn't make the cut of Scripture. That's a parable that resonates with us here in the 21st century. I want you to know there are ministries that are being underserved at Grace Crossing Church because everybody assumes somebody else will do it. There are organizations, not-for-profits in our community, that are being underserved because somebody expects everybody else will step up 
and do it. There are people who are not being loved well in our community, in our connection group at times even. Why? Because somebody is assuming that everybody else will step in and do it, but guess what? Nobody ends up doing it. And I think what we ought to understand is this. If we are going to ever fulfill what God is asking us to here at Grace Crossing Church and imagine, it is not and it cannot be about the one. It must be about everyone. All in includes everyone, and that's you. There's a second thing about all in you got to understand. And, and the Acts passage brings this out. All in assumes everything. All in assumes everything. Now, just a couple of chapters later, as we're looking at the early church, there is another verse that we read that actually really further punctuates and exclamates what the early church did when it came to everything. Here it is, Acts chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers who were in one heart were in one heart and mind. Now notice this. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. Now, those of you that know me and those of you that have been attending Grace Crossing Church, even for a little while, one of the things you know about me is I'm a wordsmith. I love words. I love the etymology of words. I love to unpack the original meaning of words and then bring those to you to actually allow it to encourage and nourish your soul because it's powerful. And this morning, I want to tell you what that word, everything here, means in the original. Are you ready? Okay, you might want to grab something to write this down with. You might want to grab your handout and write this down because it's so profound and I never, ever want you to forget it. Are you ready? Here's what the word everything means. Three words. Everything means everything. Okay, there it is. Okay, now for those of you that write slow, I'm going to say it one more time, okay? Because I want to make sure that this one gets etched in you. Everything means everything. It means that you recognize that everything ultimately belongs to God. You might manage it, but you don't own it. It means that you come to God with not just an open mind and an open heart, but you come with open hands. You come with surrendered hands to God. It means that though you have possessions, your possessions don't possess you. It means that you are willing to listen to God and to do what God asks and hold everything lightly because you recognize that everything you have is a gift that has been given to you by the generosity of a God who loves you so much. Now, where did the early church learn to practice this? When it says that, that no one claimed that their possessions were their own, where did they learn this? They learned it from Jesus. Because Jesus emphatically makes this statement in Luke's gospel, chapter 14, verse 33. Here's what he told those who are following. Those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Those of you who do not give up everything cannot be my 
disciples. Those are hard words. Now, what Jesus is doing here is this is a very decisive statement. This is a draw the line in the sand sort of statement. And what Jesus is doing is this. He is saying everything. What did he mean when he used the pronoun everything? Did Jesus mean those things that you no longer need and are no longer important in your life? Is that what he had in mind? Did Jesus mean when he said everything Uh, Did he simply mean those things that you've had in storage for six months and you haven't needed for six months, so those are the things that you're to give? How about, did Jesus mean everything you have double of? Give those. All of your leftovers. No, that's not what he meant. What Jesus meant is that everything means everything. What Jesus meant was really clearly stated just a few verses earlier when he said this in Luke chapter 14. Verses 25 through 27. As massive crowds followed Jesus, he turned to them and said, when you follow me as your disciple, you must put aside your father, your mother, your wife, your sisters, your brothers. Let me throw in your husband. Yes, you will even seem, it will even seem as though you hate your own life. This is the price that you'll pay to be considered one of my followers. Now what's so remarkable about this is what Jesus is doing is so counterintuitive to what we do today. Today what we do is we try to build the crowd. Jesus never tried to build the crowd. In fact, Jesus always tried to thin it. What what Jesus was doing was he was actually distinguishing the curious from the committed. He was saying, there's a lot of you, there's a mass crowd following me, and and many of you in the crowd, you're just curious. You want to show up for the best pony and horse show in town, and you're following me because you love the signs, you love the wonders, you love the excitement. And let me just say, if you're in this crowd this morning, you've been attending Grace Crossing Church, and you're among the curious, we are a place that is safe for the curious. We are a place that actually loves the curious. Why? It's part of our target audience. It's people we believe God is attracting here. But if you stay curious and you never move to a deeper place in your relationship with God, then there is something off. There is something that is not fulfilling the vision God has for your life, and it certainly isn't our vision to have a biblical worldview and to grow you into maturity. What Jesus here is doing is he's saying this. He is saying, I want you to recognize that if you're going to follow me, every displaced loyalty and security in this earth, which even includes your biological family, your family of origin, your married family, whatever those things are that become a source of security for you, you need to lay those aside. As I've understood the the invitation of Jesus to follow him, to be a disciple, let me just say it this way. Let me summarize it this way. Here's what I believe Jesus is saying. Jesus is not calling us to let go of everything we have. That's not his call. Jesus is not calling us to let go of everything we have. He's calling us to let go of everything that has us. That's what he's calling us to. Everything that has us. Everything that we have tethered our hearts to that give us a sense of security and worth and value and meaning that we say we can't let go of, it becomes an idol. God says that's the thing that's got to go. 
Whatever it is, it's got to go. And so if we're going to be all in, and in, in imagine we're going to be all in at Grace Crossing Church, it first of all includes everyone. Say that word, everyone. It also assumes everything. Say everything. And there's a final thing. All in means every day. All in means every day. Now, not only were they committed to being all in in the sense of everyone is in, and not only were they committed in the sense that everything belonged to God and they recognized it, but finally, they realized that following Jesus Christ was not something that was relegated to Sunday. It was about every day. There are many people that believe and actually see church as their lone source of spiritual nourishment. I I, I often hear people say, man, I love to come to Grace Crossing Church because I am getting spiritually fed. I get it. I understand it. And listen, I love that we provide a steady diet of God's truth and God's word here at Grace Crossing Church. It actually is one of the most incredible joys in my life. But that's not what it's about. Because at the end of the day, here's the reality. If this is your only spiritual meal in your spiritual diet, you're starving. You're starving. I mean, this week, just try it. Just eat one meal this week and see how it goes for you. Let me know, by the way, next week how that worked out for you. You know, we don't do it. Why? Because we recognize no matter how good the meal is and no matter how much we eat of it, One meal was never designed to satisfy and sustain us. We need a steady diet of God. We need a steady diet of relationship with God's people. We need us. That's why connection groups are so significant. Because you're not called to be an island unto yourself. You are called to be needy and to need. And to meet needs of others. You are called to serve and to be served. You're called to love and to be loved. You're called to be known and to know. That's how God's called his community together. And so the early church understood this. This was an everyday affair. And at Grace Crossing Church, yeah, we're lifting it high. We're lifting the bar really high. But we're not doing it. Jesus already did it. He's already told us, here's the bar. The early church modeled it for us, and we're saying that's what we want to be. We want to be a church that is filled with fully surrendered Christ followers, emotionally healthy, Fully surrendered, whose hearts are set ablaze to do what God said is good and what he requires of us. Justice and mercy and humility. And that's going to require that we be all in. So as we wrap up this morning, I want to summarize this by two statements. Here's the first. Christianity was never intended to be about a few who give their all. It was always intended from the beginning to be about the all who give their all. To every follower, to everyone who would aspire to be a follower of Jesus, that we would all give our all. Everyone, everything, every day. That's that's important for us to hear. And here's the second thing that's important for us to hear. Being a Christ follower is an all-in arrangement. It's an all-in arrangement. Now, I know 
how that may feel to some of you here today that are going, I'm not sure that I'm there yet. We, we understand that. And we want you to bring that to God, what that looks like for you in surrender. But what I believe is this. There are some of us here that have said we're all in, and yet there are things we're secretly holding on to that, that we're not willing yet to let go of, that God is saying, I'm asking you to lay everything down, everything that's become a security for you, to lay it aside. And there's others of us that are all in in some areas, but there's others that we are, we are still holding. Wherever you are on the spiritual continuum, here's what I'm inviting you to do in this uh, imagine this reimagine initiative and this reimagine series is I'm asking you to bring your heart before God because that's what imagine's about. It's really about our heart. So this morning, there is a, a card in the seat pocket in front of you that I'm going to ask everybody in our auditorium to take today and to leave with today, okay? So this is, there's nothing you're going to do with this today other than take it, and for the next three weeks or so, we're just going to ask you to carry that with you before God, to take that with you before God, and simply just bring it to him and say, God, I want to just lay my heart before you, and I want to ask you to lead me and guide me in this direction. Again, this is, this process and this this series is really all about us committing our hearts to him. So for some of us here in the fall, we, we made a commitment, and, and, I'm, and in this refresh, we're asking everybody to reaffirm that. We're asking those of us to say to the Lord, God, are you asking me to increase? Because maybe I simply wasn't ready in the fall, or maybe my trust muscle wasn't strong enough then, but it is now, and, and I'm willing to do what you're asking. For some of us, it may be new. It may be a first-time commitment we're making, and maybe you've been attending church here for a long time. In fact, you were here for Imagine, but you didn't commit then, and you're ready now. Whatever it is and wherever it is, we're just asking you to do two things. Two things. Ask God what you should do, then do it. That's it. Just ask God what you should do, and do it. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and I want to, I want to offer a prayer in a different way today. So I've been growing in my own life, and our leadership here has been growing in a, what we call the prayer of indifference. What I've been finding in my journey in indifference, and by the way, that word indifference does not mean that I am spiritually apathetic. It doesn't mean I'm just checked out to, ah, whatever happens, happens. It is about saying, however, that I do not want anything in my life other than God's will. That's all that I desire. You know what I'm learning in this more than I ever have before is how much spiritual freedom there is when we become indifferent. When we just open our hands and go, God, I don't want anything but your will. My heart is not attached to any outcome, anything that happens, any priority. My preference doesn't matter. What matters is your will. And as God has been growing me in this, a couple of weeks back, I felt inspired to just write a simple prayer of indifference to God out of my own heart. I shared it this past week with our leadership at our, our staff, at our staff offsite. And I want to make it our final prayer this morning. This was my prayer of indifference that I offer to us as a prayer for Grace Crossing Church today. Let's bow our heads together and let me read this prayer to you. Lord, 
You have made me to be loved by you and to love you in return. Everything I am and all I have is a gift from the abundance of your limitless grace intended to teach me to love you alone and to trust you fully and freely. The one thing I desire is to please you by submitting myself to you in order that I might be governed by your will and so become the person that you had in mind when you created me and called me yours. In response to your steadfast love, which is better than life itself, I ask only for those things that will take me to a place of deeper submission. I choose to let go of all other displaced securities in order that I may receive gratefully from your good hand what you have uniquely ordained for my days. Give me only your love and your grace, and I am rich enough and ask for nothing more in this life. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.